Look out. Surging up from the depths of the sea. Horrifying, mysterious creatures whose attack on people sends the whole countryside on an endless search. Unless something is done, and done quickly. Is this the end of our civilization? You'll pioneer with us the perilous descent into the unknown. What does that mean? What are you even talking about? A deep, penetrating dive. In the last calm and reflective moment, before the monsters came. Humanoids from the deep dive. Welcome to the podcast Humanoids from the Deep Dive, where we dig deep into the meanings and context of your favorite monsters and monster movies. Each episode, we'll see guests and myself give our take on an important uh, movie monster and or film and see what we think it means using everything from history and philosophy to films and folklore. Now, today marks our second holiday episode ever, and we're celebrating the occasion by covering a holiday-associated humanoid entity that's been incredibly influential in Western culture in a whole bunch of weird ways. We're covering elves. Fans of the show can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Podbean, anywhere you can find podcasts in a civilized world, basically. And you can follow us on Twitter at HFT Deep Dive. I'm your host, Jeff Ewing. I'm a critic and entertainment journalist for Forbes, Looper, Slash Film, everything genre film with bylines all over the place. Uh, basically, if it's monsters, I'm obsessed with it. I've probably written about it. And I'm extremely pleased to um, introduce you fine folks to to our illustrious co-hosts who have joined me for this episode to celebrate these lovely humanoid creatures, uh, Andre Couture, Lunaman Wee, and Mike Vaughn. Thank you all for stopping by. Anytime. Woo! Bunch of badasses, y'all. You're in for treat. <laughs> so uh, how we're going to do this episode is because there's... Um, elves, elves are weird folks at home. It's a, it just, the folklore is, is all over the place. Our, our Westernized perception of how to interpret it has been heavily covered, uh, colored by, by angels and demons, you know, hierarchies and Christianization of non-Christian, you know, folklore and, it wasn't even until fairly recently that we actually had a somewhat accurate perception culturally in the West of elves as a mythological thing that in case they're listening may or may not be real, who knows? Um, and so you have this one trajectory of elves like in Lord of the Rings that are their own independent species besides humanity and sometimes other things like, like dwarves or what have you. And then you also have the whole Christmas trajectory, which is uh, something we're going to focus heavily on today. But we're going to try and get at uh, a little bit of all of that because you can find, this is my whole rambly point, you can find literally any interpretation of elves under the sun that you want. Like if you want your elves to be living underground, scary little things, you can find that in droves. If you want to be happy-go-lucky toy makers, you got that. If you want them to be, um, I mean, literally anything. So we tried to find two films that run a good gamut that associate with the holiday. Um, you have your Will Ferrell comedy classic Elf from 2003 and its characterization of elves. And then you, uh, to hit the other side of the coin, we have Krampus, plot of Elf, 
not like people don't know what the plot of Elf is, but uh, Butter the Elf, played by Will Ferrell, is essentially a human that through a weird set of circumstances ends up being raised as an elf at the North Pole. Um, but eventually he realizes after a long while, all of a sudden he realizes he doesn't fit in. It's not like he wasn't like big the whole time, awkward the whole time, but all of a sudden he realizes he doesn't quite fit in. And so he goes on a journey to find his real human dad um, in, in New York. And uh, it's a whole big pile of complicated mess. I actually really like the film. Um, but as always, uh, let's do, oh yeah. And they also have to like f- restore the spirit of Christmas as is every other Christmas movie, because apparently they're making Christmas movies because the spirit of Christmas is gone. I don't know. <laughs> um, it's these damn kids with their phones is what's happening. Always looking down at their phones, not up at the reindeer. Come on. I don't know. Yeah. You guys sound like big Christmas. Oh, them and their their video games. When I was your age, we celebrated Christmas both ways. Um, (laughs) Oh, we we go both ways at Christmas. Oh, yeah. Always have, always will. We used to swap being Rudolph every year. Oh, yeah. It's all about that nose, baby. And it's it's just as perverted as it sounds. Uh, Yes, that... Uh, it's a requirement. Perfect. So, family-friendly <laughs> classic elf. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's let's start with reviews as we, as we commonly do. Um, uh, Andre, would you like to go first with yours? Okay. Um, yeah, I remember seeing this for the first time when I was. Let's see, this is two thousand three, so I'm going to date myself here and say I was about twelve years old. And when I was twelve, this movie was basically the shit so um i don't think i had seen it since uh i watched it last night in preparation for this and uh, i still found it relatively amusing but it just didn't land as it did back then for me Mm -hmm. um i have a will ferrell problem and i think many people out there might understand what i mean by that um Mm -hmm. His performance in this is still surprisingly muted from how he's gone forward in his career. But that being said, that's that's kind of like an ego thing. Um, I still pretty much enjoyed the the whole trajectory of how the story was presented, but it seemed like it was dependent on how uh, well the comedy lands for the narrative to like lay down um, the tricks that it plays. So for me, it's, it works on the surface level, but there's something on the fringes that they didn't quite utilize fully for me. Uh, There was a lot of cool stuff at the North pole at the beginning where, uh, of course, there's the elves and then Will Ferrell's buddy, uh, their interactions together. But um, they also kind of include this playful existence of, you know, like those um, Rankin and Bass Christmas special. That's my uh, favorite part of the whole like, thing. 
yeah, those those like a uh, anthropomorphic um, animal friends that they have. Hey, buddy, what about your dad? <laughs> Thanks, Mister Narwhal. That's my favorite but, part. Like the, the, I don't think they use that enough to really lean on how uh, surrealistic they could get. And then they just kind of play the Hallmark card of Christmas spirit and all that bullshit. So that that being said, it's okay. It's okay. Um, I thought I was going to be the Scrooge of the podcast, but Santa flies over Andre's house and he just like comes out the shotgun like, move it, fat man. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the only perfect thing about this movie is Ed Asner as Santa Claus, but Mm -hmm. even then he's underutilized. So there's that. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I'll probably leave it at that, but um, this is a two and a half stars for me. Woo! Damn, yeah. I'm bringing the heat. <laughs> I love it though. Um, there you go. Thank you for that. You know, it's kind of funny because I, I I come to this where um I am not a Christian. Um, what? I, that I know. For those Shocked. of you at home I had no who idea. have listened to any episode of this podcast, or especially the Angels episode, you might need to sit down for that. Um, I thought that was but I still enjoy celebrating episode. Christmas because it doesn't mean anything to me other than Santa and weird movies. But um, my family always liked it. Some of those people that's like, whatever, I still like it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that Christmas and Christmas spirit has, I mean, has a, a fair departure from the religion um, in yeah. so, in social contexts. Like, you can have Christmas parties. And get crunk, and you will not once think or talk about Jesus. So, it, yep, yeah, yeah. Like you can like Krampus and Santa it all day long, and it doesn't even doesn't touch like, Christianity. Yeah, not even yep. close. Exactly. Like I'm down with like a gift giving, like, uh, like red wearing bearded gent that distributes according to need. Uh. Is that Marx, though? Right. I was just yeah. thinking that. <laughs> when Karl Marx, I love it when Karl Marx. Are we Marx talking comes down socialism suddenly? Yeah, exactly. Karl when when Marx. Marx comes down it's your chimney. Karl I mean, Marx Christmas. Technically, <laughs> the Marvel's uh, Mar- Marvel Comics is um, Red Guardian is more of a Santa Claus than Santa Claus himself these days. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, ooh. Oh, that's the <laughs> I want. Screw Oof. Hawkeye. Um, all right. Anyway, Farfield. That's my fault. <laughs> Love it, though. <laughs> Moving forward, thank you so much for your review. Uh, Luna, uh, what about you? How about you go next? Oh, boy. I was uh, I was hoping uh, we'd, we'd get some uh, cushion between me and Andre. You can punt to Mike if you'd like. I, no, you, no, you can just like keep pummeling this movie down. We're cool going it. to keep pummeling this movie. And then... <laughs> And then I will recover it because I do like it. So go ahead. For me, I never liked this movie um, ever. And even as a preteen or teen, whatever, however old I was, um, I used to absolutely hate it. But I realized that that's probably because it it was a movie I didn't like. And then it blew up and then it was playing on every TV screen. It was on every like 
everybody wanted to dress up. I was just like, I can't, I don't understand what's going on. Um, but upon watching it again, I, I was able to kind of really determine what it is that I don't like. And Mm -hmm. though it's a fairy tale, um, the, some of the main characters just don't make sense in the world that they created. Like, uh, particularly like Walter Hobbs, his, his father, he's a pretty essential role to the story in the story. And Hobbs is like unflappable in his ruthlessness. And he's depicted as he's on the naughty list and dismissive to his child, but he is Mm -hmm. incredibly tolerant of a stranger that claims he's an elf and also his son and basically ruins his life. Like he has no reaction to buddy other than slight, slightly miffed, um, takes him mm-hmm. home, does all of this stuff, and I'm just like, "What are you? Who are? What person are you? Like, I don't know any human that that is supposed to like. I I just I'm confused as to who who that character is supposed to be, and sure, it just doesn't make sense to me. So it it and in turn that annoys me as the viewer because I'm like. But he doesn't make sense. Yeah, <laughs> the whole he thing seems falls like apart. a. He, he kind of seems like a Scrooge or Mister Potter type, like one-dimensional character that just gets stuck in a corridor of plot. Right, like, like he, he has he's to do not this. like Scrooge is actually a dick, and right. is consistently a dick until he's scared into not being a dick anymore. Yeah, yeah. and Walter Hobbs is a dick that is tolerant sometimes of like this crazy ass adult but not of his kid and Mm -hmm. it it just i don't know um and then as far as like buddy the character i i understand that his antics can be read as endearing right like i get that that's a big part of the film for a lot of people but i don't think it read well in this juxtapositional way that they were going for like this is grimy new york and this is shiny buddy and blah blah like i just don't think that from my perspective his quote-unquote uh endearing antics were in the right vein i guess i guess what i would say is compared to um oh i'm blanking on the movie of Tim Allen. Oh, um, the, the Santa Claus? The Santa Claus. Like, what compared to the Santa Claus, like, in in that film, you have a grumpy dude as a grown-ass man dealing with the antics of elves. And it reads way more realistically in this fairy tale pretend story than it does in Elf. Um, and I just... I think I just have a strange issue with that. <laughs> so for me, I am also going to put it at uh, two and a half after watching it again, but still probably still about two to two and a half stars. All right. All right. So you've, uh, well, thank you for your review. Um, uh, I'd love to hear your, your perspective as always. Um, uh, folks, well, we have, we've heard from the Grinch and Scrooge. Uh, <laughs> which kidding. one which one i, yeah, which I genuinely one thought like Ooh. i would be the 
the Scrooge of the podcast, but now me and Andre, like, <laughs> sup, bruh? Okay, no, which I mean, one of a you lot is of Christmas wealthy movies which suck. one of you is green? Um, <laughs> that's, I smoke a lot of weeds, so... Oh, All right. Grinch it is. You're the Grinch. I'm an old man. <laughs> <laughs> but at least you get, like, you're, you're, you're more than your fair share of, like, sweet supernatural chains. That's pretty Ayo. cool for, like, an mm-hmm. accessory. Actually, that's true. I do perform aerial chains, so it does make oh, sense. Oh, shit, son. You can probably, like, contact those ghosts. You know, they're, they're on the speed dial or something. Yeah, all I have to do is, like, jangle my my chains, and they're like, yeah, 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 sup? What's going on? Or just, we, like, who just bait nightmares? them and say, I, I don't think I care for Christmas anymore. And then they just show up. He's like, what the fuck you used to say? <laughs> and you're like, I said Christmas is a humbug. I said Christmas stinks. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, like... I know that people love these films and I and I I want people to enjoy these things, right? Like I want you to love these films. But you asked for my opinion. <laughs> I as always, I sincerely do like real talk opinions on this show. I don't have to agree. If we all agreed there would be only the point there would be no point in all of us being on the show. That's true. Perfect. Literally. There was one aspect that you uh, touched on, Luna, that I think probably needs to be examined a little bit. And that's uh, when this elf movie was being so celebrated across families, at least in America, that I know of. Um, you know, they're they're watching it over and over and over again during the Christmas season, maybe doing like White Elephant um exchanges during it but they're like celebrating how much they enjoyed this while overlooking a lot of the problematic aspects of it mm-hmm. um one scene that comes one scene that comes to mind is um when oh so walter hobbs is waiting for like this hot shot uh Writer or book writer, yeah. yeah. Um, I forgot the character's name. Oh, yeah, name. Peter Dinklage. Yeah, it's Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage is that character, character. and then Buddy Miles, yeah. crashes that whole meeting. And then, like, the great Peter Dinklage is his character is just relegated to uh, just being the recipient of discrimination and then storms out. And mm-hmm. it's played for laughs. But I'm sure a lot of audiences at the time just overlooked it and just saw it as a face value comedic scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of like issues that Buddy brings up in real humans that mm-hmm. never really get fully addressed or investigated. And you know, it's a Christmas movie, but you know, uh, when you're talking about shit like the Christmas spirit and uh, community, it's really just telling people and urging others to really fully check in on others and it's it's a message of love right you just can't Mm -hmm. like make fun of people like that yeah i'm having a hard time uh and i've had a hard time understanding the part where i'm supposed to watch this movie as with any christmas movie and come come away with that like warm fuzzy feeling of like 
uh, I think I'm going to like do better today or I'm going, I really enjoyed that. I feel the warmth and the, the good in all people. And after watching that film, like, I guess it brought the family together. Um, yeah. And some people saying outside. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. I would love the two fans of the film yeah, yeah. to bring us back into um, the graces of our listeners. It's a Christmas miracle. Yeah, I just wanted to bring that up while I could and not like, you know, shit on anything else that might come out later. Oh, it's, it's brilliant. I, y'all are super smart and I love hearing your opinions. So it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me what they are. They're always worth hearing and discussing um so thank you very much um although for the record official podcast policy peter dinklage deserves your damn respect yes he does absolutely fucking excellent person and and performer damn right official show policy um thank you both so much um uh mr mike okay um so I'm going to uh, steer the ship in the right direction here. Um, no, I, I think like both of your comments are, are very valid. Like they're, I mean, I will say like, I, I love the movie. I, I do feel like there is some stuff that's underwritten. Um, but uh, I, I love it. I think that it's definitely very much a movie of its time. I think it's interesting um, how, I mean, not to get super heavy, but this kind of came out like not too long after um, like 9-11. Yeah. And I think everybody kind of needed and wanted something in New York that was a little schmaltzy. Um, mm-hmm. So putting it in the time um putting in that kind of um context i think is important but uh i like it i mean like i so i i totally understand how will Farrell is not everybody's cup of tea um i really like him here um i think he's figurative figuratively and literally like poured into that suit um <laughs> and i mean the cast is like amazing you have bob newhart james khan you have amy sedaris who i worship yeah um you have ray harryhausen who does the voice of the polar bear Mm -hmm. and you have the jazz legend legend leon redbone as the snowman and like Andy Richter, Peter Dinklage. Like there's just so many great actors in that. Um, yeah. So I, um, I think it's uh, a lot of fun. I think that like some of the plot holes, I also just chalk up to it's a cheesy, schmaltzy, heartwarming Christmas movie. So, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I know it doesn't necessarily excuse some maybe so-so writing at times, but then I also kind of think about how, like, simplistic um, Christmas specials used to be, and clearly this is um, Favreau's homaging to 
earlier Christmas specials, you know, like there's very, like you pointed out, there's a clearly a Rankin Bass kind of segment. Um, and, you know, I, I think the, this is a kind of movie that can get, can get away with something that's a little more um, simple plot wise. Um, so yeah, maybe the motivations with the dad is kind of spotty and stuff like that but but again i just treat it as like i just kind of go with it just because of the plot and because it's aimed towards children and it's inherently going to be a little more simplistic um it's not to say that those criticisms aren't are completely valid but um i guess that's kind of how i get around stuff like that um and I don't know. I, I, I mean, it's not my favorite Christmas movie. Like something like "It's a Wonderful Life." Uh, I think really is one of those few movies that really hits home its message. Like the ending of that, like hits me like a sledgehammer every time. Yeah. Like I, I, I don't care. I'll admit I'm a big blubbery mess at the end of "It's a Wonderful Life." And I don't care if that hurts my cred because, you know, I think it's an amazing movie and I think that it really hits home its its core themes. I mean, Elf doesn't. I mean, I know it really tries to. Like, I think the whole Christmas spirit thing is a little cheesy. I think it's... I mean, I, I feel like if it was more satirical it maybe could have gone got away with being a little more um, cheesy. But again, I also kind of forgive it for that because it's a Christmas movie and it's not, you know, um, I don't know. It's not like Shakespeare. It's not well, yeah, you know, trying to um, be yeah. Hamlet or anything. Um, yeah. I mean, there are definitely things that I think like work until you think deeply about them. Mm-hmm. Right. Like when I was talking to, I, I, I sidebar with Andre last night about how um, I think like, okay, so fine and good. He lives like an elf for until he's like a, an adult ass man. That's great. Um, but then like he eats like spaghetti with sugar on it as a regular, which, which, <laughs> which it's a small thing. It might work well for like an elf body, you know, but he has a human body. That son of a gun would die. Like... <laughs> That is not adequate. You'd have some health for problems for sure. Something, yeah, at least malnutrition in some categories. Like, but he so, wasn't like, like canonically. He's not part elf, right? Like, he's no, he's human. just a human baby yeah. that ended up at the North Pole. Because mm-hmm. I wonder if, like, maybe if that's been his diet his whole life. If maybe, like, again, overthinking because it's a movie. Um, but I love overthinking things. So um, that's kind of maybe, the show. Yeah. But, yeah. Like, but, but my, <laughs> my, my thing is like, maybe um, if that's your diet, your entire life, maybe your body just adapts. Yeah. If that's what you eat from birth on. I mean, like the human body is not designed for that. Um, but I, I do have some thoughts on how that could work. So He's living in the North Pole, right? Which is a place that is not normally uh, comfortable for any human being to live in. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the elf world, it's totally fine. Like maybe they have temperature condition um, exceptions. Like they can survive in extreme weather or something like that. A little magical bubble. Yeah, something, something Christmas. stupid like that. Um, he has like this impossible like carbohydrate intake, and maybe mixed with like the hyper. Um, like sub-zero arctic conditions and like i don't know how you can eat that much and still maintain the figure that uh buddy does in the entire movie like he looks like he mm-hmm. just looks like a normal person um yeah so his metabolism must be like uh ridiculously active like overdrive all the time Probably because in the North Pole, he's he has to burn all that because of the extreme conditions. Um, and one thing popped up in the movie that kind of points to that. Uh, he's totally human in the entire movie, except for the scene where him and his brother get into the snowball fight. The snowball he fight. makes yeah. like yeah. some humanly impossible shit. Um like he makes what fifty or so snowballs in like in three a seconds, of, like in the blink of an eye. Yeah, yeah, and then he just rifles them off with perfect aim, which makes sense. Like, yeah, you're good at snowballs because North Pole, like the John Wick of snowballs. Yeah, but <laughs> something else came up where I saw in his eyes a killer instinct, and he, there's something behind those eyes, like. Sinister, almost. The devil's eyes. Like, there's something in his brain that just clicked at that moment. And, like, he didn't even say anything, communicate anything. He just, like, he just went for it. And every single kid went down. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, whoa, oh, I've got it. I've got it, Andre. I think he has anger issues. (laughs) I think you're on to something. I've got this. Um, Okay, so, story time. Um, baby comes in to the North Pole, human child, right? Big ass human baby. Uh, they see human baby, smell opportunity. So they build a toy body for said child, place its brain in, in human toy bodies, an automaton, right? Um, he's a creation, he's a construct. And programmed to finally complete... Uh, you know, their their return shots after the long-standing war on Christmas. So he's sent in like a sleeper cell, right? Like, <laughs> like, oh yeah, go ahead and find your dad. Find your dad, buddy. You're a human child. And yeah. once the snowballs start flying, that's like the um the Manchurian candidate password okay. that like activates him. And then he's like, must kill all human children. <laughs> and that's exactly exactly what happened. Yeah. I I support that. Uh because Elves are actually truly sneaky and like they hide their true intentions mm-hmm. and like Christmas elves are no different. Really. There's just the public commercial aspect that everyone notices, but you know, the other 364 days of the year, they could get up to some shit. Um, so yeah, I, I, I support all this. their work is for literally one day, you know, they have yeah. some free time. Yeah, they, they can manufacture uh, a Christmas golem with a human brain. 
If I were, if I mean, if I were them, I would. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's canon now. Um, uh, Mike, did, uh, forgive me if, if you have, and I'm just like misremembering. Did you give your stars for the film? Uh, no, but I am going to give it a four out of five stars. Perfect. Uh, like I said, I like it. I, so I, I came to this movie a little bit older, um, so I don't maybe have like the super nostalgia factor, but uh, yeah, I like it. I, I think that like there are some parts that are underwritten, unfortunately, but mm-hmm. I think that overall I always have a good time. Like Elf is always the movie that kind of kicks off our holiday movie watching. Like we'll, we'll watch Elf while I trim the tree. So that's kind of a yearly nice thing Aww. in our household. So I love it. Yeah. Well, hey, thank you so much for, for your comments as well and for your review. Um, love it. Uh, for me, it's funny because I um, I like Elf a bunch. I wouldn't say that I love it. It's not my favorite. If you if you were to ask me to to pick my my must see Christmas movies, you got your It's a Wonderful Life. Some ver- you know because it's it's uh, um, got crazy galaxy angels that like intervene to promote communism um merry christmas yeah. movie it's house. amazing and uh and then you have uh you know i love the old timey rankin and bass like frosty rudolph ones animation style school um and then uh you know chris any any adaptation of a christmas carol because like i'm all about the supernatural terrorizing rich people into being good people but i do like elf i like there's a lot i like about it um, I don't think that everything lands like y'all were saying. I think that some stuff seemed a little bit better in 2003. And now it's like, uh, like the stuff and with uh, like most of the stuff with Zoe Deschanel does not work. Nope. Yeah. She's like very I'm... reluctant and there's no reason why she would fall for him. And then he shows up on her in the showers. Kind of creepy. Like... The fact that they sing baby it's cold outside kind of really oh, like, God is the nail in the coffin for its yes it is well and that but that scene also like where he's like peeping at her right remember that yeah uh uh-huh yeah right so and so like none of that really works um and uh and then you know james con i think played it makes me a little bit happy that he was dead because like he's a notorious like hollywood trump supporter right Mm. um (laughs) And the only reason why I'm glad he was in the film was because apparently he literally hated the shit out of Will Ferrell. Oh, like in real life? um, Yeah. Uh, Will Ferrell's antics apparently really annoyed him, which makes me, which (laughs) does warm my heart. My, my lovely Christmas heart. At least he was able to annoy him. Yeah, exactly. But it has a lot of things I do like, like, uh, like Ed Asner is, is, uh, was amazing before he passed. Um, I think that there's a lot of really good scenes in there. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm all about that pseudo Rankin and Bass. Like, sorry about your dad. Like <laughs> my favorite scene in the entire film. And I really want like a whole movie, just that. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I'd say like, I'd give it like three and a half out of five. Like um, I enjoy it when it's on, but it's not like my absolute musty jam. Like I, I completely agree. It's kind of like how, like, 
I feel like I I enjoy it, but it's not like it's not something that I have to watch more than once a year. Um, yeah. And I, I kind of wonder that if I was a little younger when it came out, if I would have maybe had that like nostalgia factor that came into play because I could, I could see myself really liking that as like a kid. Like I was doing this piece about Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, and I was thinking about how, yeah, the movie, there's certain things that definitely have not aged great about that movie, but uh, it brought me so much joy as a kid that I probably give it a little bit more of a pass. Um, mm-hmm. And also because Robin Williams was amazing. Um, but um, yeah, so I mean, I, I wonder if like maybe some of that um comes into play because i mean again i i totally agree with y'all about like the characters are kind of underwritten again i can kind of forgive that because christmas movie um so Mm. it's not supposed to be incredibly deep but true but my argument to that is that there are other christmas movies with with much more believable characters that yeah that give that tell the story better you know, like, yeah. also the, yeah. uh, the topics that Elf tries to address, other movies address, it's um, almost like a patchwork of different influences. Mm-hmm. Like with the yeah. Rankin Bass, there's even a It's a Wonderful Life moment on the bridge with it's, it's mm-hmm. like five second moment, um, but it doesn't really go anywhere from there. Like when they're looking for Buddy and he's on, I, I don't know, my New York geography, but a bridge. Um. <laughs> well, but here's why um, I thought that this was a good one to pair for this episode, because even though that there might be other films that like uh, succeed more in one way or another, and it's kind of a pastiche of a lot of different things because it's a pastiche. I feel like it's, it's a real, and it's popular. I feel like it's a really, really good exemplar of the good Christmas elf trope. Mm-hmm. Um, of the astuous kind-hearted elves working for Santa for Christmas and um and and Buddy despite being a human is big into being an elf. <laughs> yeah. That's his absolute jam. Mm-hmm. He's literally in love with Santa. Yeah. Um it's amazing. And I'm I'm literally if, you, if when when he thinks that Santa's going to be around, the look he gets on his face, that is love. That is literally love. Yeah. <laughs> or right in love at Asner. Do you guys Please don't remember, tell incels that's love. Um, <laughs> like, I keep forgetting, but... I'd like um, to think they never find the show. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, Peter Billingsley from uh, A Christmas Story actually plays um, one of like the head elves in this. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, just a little random fact. I did not know that for years and somebody pointed it out that it, that was ralphie and also like peter billingsley super hot <laughs> no for real like google it like he is a stone cold fox well yeah it's, it's a good thing he kept both his eyes you know, you don't need those. I mean, he does have beautiful eyes, so it's probably a good thing. That's um, what I'm saying. I'm saying, like, yeah, you can absolutely have, like, an eye patch or something and still be absolutely stunning. But for him, 
Good on you, dude. I mean, thanks for your eye and eye pats, and I'd be fine with that. <laughs> oh man, we're you booking need... an episode where there's going to be a Mike. Mike, you're see. one of the co-hosts on an episode. There's going to be a lot of use of the term packages, and I'm just really uncomfortable oh uh, talking to HR about <laughs> what's appropriate, and not appropriate. Um... <laughs> Unfortunately, no. for the folks at home and the illustrious co-hosts, I am also our PR departments or our HR department. So HR PR, same thing. We, same department, multi multifunction. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, but fortunately for the folks at home, just to kind of pivot, um, we have uh, we have not one but two films we're going to talk about because they have very different takes on what elves are and how they behave and how they relate to humanity. Um, also, a comedy we're going to be. Um, discussing the 2015 newer classic uh krampus a horror comedy that you know has a very different take from (laughs) from elf one might say one might say uh so krampus uh plot summary three days before christmas the uh the engel family gather for the holidays uh the, the 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 family's young son Max remains a firm believer in Santa Claus. Uh, he he's written this this long lovely letter uh, to him asking for good things for his whole family. And then the uh, the other family arrive the the sister and her brood and and uh, husband and their aunt and a bunch of characters. Also. Tony Collette, who is a legend. Mm-hmm. Um, I just yeah. really had to throw that in there out of context. Uh, and I mean, you can say that anytime in any context, and it's fine. I feel like it's it always it's, it works. It's eternal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, like nice to meet you. Tony Collette's amazing. She was robbed. Give Moving her all on. the Oscars ever. Period. Full always. Stop. Tony Collette, we got you. Um, so his cousins, uh, in an act of like bullying that for some reason no one intervenes about around the table, I'm like, what kind of dad do you have? Like, I wouldn't let the two little weird cousins bully my son, whatever. Um, they, they, they take his Christmas letter, they read it out loud, they make fun of him, and he angrily, and this is after a lot of little infractions by the, the family that visits, it's, it's very much a riff off of. Uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation set 100%, up. yeah. 100%. It's like the same movie with a little bit of Home Alone thrown in. Yep. Um, and how Max is introduced, he was just fighting and whatever, just like Kevin was fighting at the Christmas thing. Yep. Um, so they, uh, he rips up the letter and he says, like, I hate you, I hate Christmas, I just want Christmas to be back the way it was. And then the, uh, the shreddings of his letter to Santa just kind of like float into the sky. Next day they wake up the area is covered in an inexplicable blizzard. There's creepy snowmen that some mysterious force built outside their place. And then um, they, there's like a communications lockdown over the area. And they discover that um, something arrived because they broke the Christmas spirit. And uh, they're super fucked. Put mm, it that way. They're kind of fucked. Yeah, they're pretty fucked. Um, not to not to spoil what happens, but it's a horror movie, so you know there you go. I think this is a really fun one. I just rewatched it two nights ago. Always a good time. Uh, Mike, would you like to go this time? Sure. Um, I actually I think it's 
such an interesting movie to pair with Elf because I think that as much as I do like Elf, I think that um, Krampus actually pulls off the holiday um, feels in a, mm. in a way that feels more authentic and just more entertaining. I think uh, I so I wrote a I wrote a column this uh, month called "You'll Be Sorry," which was mm-hmm. um, talking about some of my favorite Christmas movies. Uh, you know, some like alternative Christmas movies, and I think that this. So right off the bat, I think that it's incredibly difficult when you're juggling tone, right? Like you have. Mm-hmm. Um, horror you have comedy horror horror and comedy are are really hard to make work well because mm-hmm. you have to have that right mixture but not only mm-hmm. that but then you have like the cinnamon scented like holiday movie thrown in with that which makes it even more difficult and it's kind of a testament to like how brilliantly it's written because it walks this razor line of there's some really crazy Tim Burton-esque like monster shenanigans. Mm -hmm. But then you have like some really heartfelt character arcs. And I mean, like the flashback scene with the grandma, like makes me bawl my eyes out. Like Mm -hmm. I, I, think that that's so touching and again it's not like schmaltzy for schmaltzy sake like it's really trying it's really part of um the story and like it weaves the theme uh so i mean it feels like it should be there like it doesn't feel tacked on like elf does like at the end Mm -hmm. um where something like is just suddenly introduced like the whole christmas spirit ex machina kind of thing um so yeah and and i honestly think that the only other like movie that kind of balances horror and christmas that well is gremlins Mm -hmm. um because i mean there is i mean with both movies there is a satirical slant to everything um Mm -hmm. And I dare I say, I think Krampus is even better um, than, you know, Gremlins, even though I love Gremlins to death. Like I grew up with that. That's one that I grew up and and watched way too young. Um, (laughs) And I love it. I love it to death. It's also a Christmas movie. Yeah, Mm -hmm. 100%. And um, but yeah, I just think that. Uh, you know, it, it's not a perfect movie, but I think that it really weaves a really good story. I think it gets its message across in a in a nice way. Maybe a little bit simplistic, but I think it does the trick. And mm-hmm. um, I think it it resonates kind of on like a very prime, like primal kind of level of survival and family, because that's basically what what everything reduces down to when you have a little literal like snow apocalypse outside and mm-hmm. everything is trying to kill you um and i mean that like not to mention just like again they made the amazing cast the uh practical effects that are awesome like the cgi's still holds up really well um mm-hmm. 
I could go on and on, but I won't. But I love it. A five out of five. Love it. Thank you for that. Um, Andre, how about you go second this time? So Krampus is... Uh, it's a really fun ride for me. I enjoy how it's... It, it uses the same amount of influences that... Um, since we're coming off of this from Elf... Uh, that also uses, but it's a little bit more, um, what's the word? Uh, genuine. It's a little bit more genuine because it's playing to the, uh, family Christmas aspect where a lot of people really just don't like the company of their own family. And I think that's the most, um, identifiable uh, Mm. problem around the holidays for most people, I would say. Um, And having to survive with those people around you sounds like even more of a nightmare without (laughs) even introducing any monsters or ghoulies or what have you. Um, the, The whole tone of the movie works really well for me. And, uh, just like the little tiny ankle biter monsters running around and like uh, just causing chaos until other shit shows up is um, it's a great way to just like ramp up like chaos and I don't know, just, just mayhem. It's a, it's a mayhem movie that plays its cards pretty damn well. And, uh, the the familial horror is what really lands the most uh, about, I would say, the second half of the movie, like the second and third acts are mostly just about that. The, the monsters are purely conditional, and that's usually how these types of movies are supposed to go. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, for me, it has a few shortcomings, but that's probably the scope of having a Christmas horror movie produced or um, put out through Universal. Um, This movie already had some problems in release. Uh, This came out pretty much at the same time as uh, the first new Star Wars movie, so it Mm. probably had some issues with that, too. Uh, not even including the uh, motion picture associations uh, butchering of the film. Oh, they're the, they're the true villain of Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that, that being said, it does use what it has uh, to its fullest and still manages to like uh, get under your skin and, surprise you even if you've seen the film before like i think i'd seen this a few years ago for the first time uh i honestly didn't think too much of it when i saw it then but in rewatching it i think last night it it landed a lot more um impactfully for me um but i don't know if i could hold it up to gremlins though so it definitely has that vibe for sure. Uh, 
Um, and it has that that spirit of chaos that Gremlins and Gremlins Two, but that that's mm-hmm. a separate genre. Uh, it it's um it's a really fun time. I I'd probably go with a three and a half stars for it. Love it. Okay. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, yeah, I appreciate your thoughts on it. I look forward to, to kind of bouncing off a bit of my review. Um, perfect. Thank you. Um, uh, Luna, would you like to, to go next? Sure. Yeah. Um, I actively avoided this film uh, when it first came out because I, I fell in love with the Krampus mythology as soon as I heard about it. Uh, which was before this film came out, and so answer. I was like, "Wow, that's so cool!" I, you know, I, when I went to Germany, I didn't get to visit the Black Forest, but um, I just I spent a lot of time in southern Ger- Germany. I just I really love that area of the country. I love the culture. I love the folk folklore, and uh, so I saw this like goofy ass Christmas movie, and I was like, <laughs> mm, "Nah." I'm good. So I actually didn't see it until yesterday or two days ago. Mm-hmm. And um, it was interesting. Uh, it wasn't quite what I thought. It, there were a lot more horror elements than I thought there would be, um, which I appreciate as a fan of the genre. Mm-hmm. Um, there were, I, I mean, I, I did recognize immediately that it was National Lamp, uh, Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, like yeah, um, the setup is very is literally identical. Identical, yeah. And then Tony Collette was there, so and Adam Scott. So I was like, okay, well, I'm here for the ride. Let's see what happens. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. Um, and then I just at the beginning I was like getting pretty into it, and then um, it it really just lost me at a point at some at some point where there were actually i'll tell you exactly what it was it was the the animated gingerbread man elves <laughs> like as soon as they came out i was like dead like all everything in me died it went it went oh, back so to cute. its regular death um, <laughs> it, it is a little shrecky yeah i was just like I just gumdrop buttons. Oh my gosh! I was like, "Eat the fucking gumdrop buttons!" Are you fucking kidding me right now? I, I so that that like really disrupted my experience. And then mm. um, as it progressed, I really liked the design of those of the creatures, like these mm-hmm. freaking scary ass things. But it they were ineffective. They I was not it was neither comedy nor horror. It was action. Um, mm-hmm. And I felt like I just wasn't the audience. Like I just, it, and that's okay. It wasn't written for me. It wasn't written for my age bracket. Um, I'm sure that stuff is like super scary to some people and, you know, probably very thrilling for them. But I was like, oh, dope, his mouth opens all crazy. And then he's like, boo. And I'm like, that, that's it? Just boo? <laughs> okay. The dog could get it? What? <laughs> what 
what's going on? Oh yeah. That, yeah. that thing was my favorite part of the whole thing though. Other than I like the, well, I'll talk about this in my review, but some, some of the designs I think are really cool. Yeah. I agree. Jack in the box has a cool design. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do like the designs. Um, and the story is kind of meh. Like I think gremlins is a way better <laughs> Christmas film, but, um, but be, that being said, I think that the story just, it it lost me, like, as a viewer. I okay. And I, my emotional reaction to the film. Uh, I'm still examining why, but I do think that part of it is that the Krampus' helpers, like these elves, mm-hmm. were, they were effective. They were more effective than most mm-hmm. Uh, things like mm-hmm. I, the big jack in the box thing is less effective than these fucking gingerbread whatevers. Um, so I appreciated that they actually did like kill people. That was neat. Uh, yeah. And like, you know, I also appreciate when everyone dies. That's also nice. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, it just lost me with this like animated bit bopping around little little things that were just like evil for evil's sake because the Krampus said to get them. I don't know. I I I don't know. It's just it's not this it's not Krampus, like the actual folklore Krampus. <laughs> like it's yeah, not yeah. it's not connected at all. So I was like, oh, okay. It's a movie. Uh so I I'll give it a sack. <laughs> yeah, when he opened the sack I was like, where are the kids anyway yeah um so yeah anyway i i would give this film um about two and a half stars okay i i would say that i do appreciate in in juxtaposition to elf i do think that um it does have a better storytelling aspect like that i guess the the christmas spirit and the family connection and the authenticity of of emotion i think that read much better in this film mm-hmm. uh but I, I, it's not for me and that's okay yeah, yeah. perfect um well hey thank you for your 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 thoughts um uh Almost kind of pivot, I guess, into mine to to talk about them and talk about all your alls. Scrooge thoughts. strikes again. Um, <laughs> without Scrooge, we wouldn't have so many great Christmas movies. That's true. Um, <laughs> that's literally science. Uh, it's, uh, so it, it's interesting to me because I don't think that that Krampus. So I watch Krampus every year. Um, I don't think that it lands in every way. I think that like not all the humor lands. I think it's a little campier than I would like in a number of ways. Like I'd like it to be more like a, like a straight or comedy and less campy at parts. Mm -hmm. Um, A case in point, the, the part that always bothers me, like I enjoy a lot of it until the very end. And then I love the bleakness of the snow globes because there's a really bleak way you can interpret that. Um, you can interpret it as they're being watched by Krampus or you can interpret that as them being trapped in this nightmarish little like eternal fake Christmas forever. Mm-hmm. And 
that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but then, like, they have all the little toys jump out at, out at you before you leave, and that always ruins it for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, because my final reaction is always just like, that's bleak as fuck. I love it. And then they're just like, wow. And I'm like, oh, really? Yeah. There's, there's something like, like Tales from the Crypt about that part, though, that I kind of love. I like it better in Tales from the Crypt, that type of thing. You know? Yeah. Like, Where I think it lands better for me there. Yeah. But it, it's a little yeah. moment at the end that just, uh, it seems more of an homage to something else rather than part of the world that we have spent this time with. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't fit to me. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I still think there's a lot I love about it. Um, a lot of the performances are great. Adam Scott, Tony Collette, um, the, the kid who plays Max, all do great jobs. Mm-hmm. I love the, the imaginative. This is why I watch it every year. It's so imaginative. Even if, like, not all the elements work for you, like the little gingerbread people mm-hmm. and, like, the toys or whatever. Like, I like that they perverted, like, they have Krampus pervert literally everything we associate with Christmas and make it evil. I and do appreciate that. You're absolutely right. And that's I, pretty cool. I'm pretty, I'm happy that they they took that step because it needed to be taken, even yeah. if I don't. I didn't enjoy the end result. Right. Like if you don't like the execution, you know, that's a, that's, that's one thing and that's fair. Right. Mm-hmm. But at the very least they didn't, they made him an anti-clause. Right. Yeah. And I think the, the things that work for me, uh, I like the dark elves. They, they end up with their, their, and this is why I wanted to talk about them. Cause we, we did Krampus last year, but not with the world's best co-hosts. So that's something new for you folks. At home. <laughs> and, um, and we didn't talk about the elves as much, but I I love um, I love that they wear those like weird wooden masks that have like the carvings yeah. on them, like they're in a cult. Um, mm-hmm. They're so malicious. That's yeah, they were cool. they were part of my favorite part of the. Yeah, I like that thing in the snow. By the way, that like you never see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was cool. Um, I love the design of Krampus because it looks like. It's wearing Santa's face. It does. Yeah. It, it looks like an inhuman thing trying that like killed Santa and is wearing him and is attempting to to act humanoid, but has never seen a human, you know? Mm-hmm. Like and I just love that weird inhumanness of like this f- skin stretched too taut and the eyes are sunken and inhuman. Like mm-hmm. they're goat like, eyes. Oh, yeah, and it's hulking, and it ha- it's hooved and mm-hmm. massive. Um, the Krampus design's great. The Dark Elves are great. Um, I do like the j- the design of the Jack in the Box thing because it's a very similar. Like, this is a toy veneer, but when it grows, like you can see that it's like a living thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so like I think it's extremely imaginative. It doesn't all land for me, but I still enjoy it because it's it's um. I wanted it to go really, really big. And at the very least, it went really, really big. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, I'll just, I'll give it a four and a half. I think it's, um, it doesn't land everything, but part of that for me, like I see it as like a side effect of like, it's trying to do everything. And yeah. so it's kind of the same grace that I give uh, Aronofsky's mother where I'm like, okay, did you land everything? 
No. Oh, I but like did that. you try 150 things and almost land everything? And that's almost impossible. Yeah. Like so they, yeah, great. Like when they ripped that baby apart, that is wild. Oh man. Hey, that baby knows what it did. <laughs> well, that's right. I oh, um, I remember being like my. Oh. I was like, oh, yeah, that was a little much. <laughs> No, I was it was here for it. I was like, did they just eat that motherfucking baby? See, this is this is why like I I give that movie credit because I'm like, okay, doesn't land everything. No, is it like a triple layered metaphor where they rip a baby apart to prove a point? Because Aronofsky was really fucking angry when he wrote it. Yes, all right. Like, I, so I liked it. Goddamn, better. son. I did like the movie better before he was like, this is what it's supposed to mean because I like the multiple interpretations. Yeah. Realistically, there are multiple interpretations, you know, um, like it, it is, it is what it is. And then it's also about our relationship to nature. And that's also about the Judeo Christian God's relation to, to nature. And so it, you know, he simplifies it for interviews. Fuck it. It's not just about that. Like, yeah, I will tell someone they're wrong about their own movie. I don't care. Um, I've well, done it before. I'll do it like, again. On a quick side note, I will say I got to see Krampus like when it first came out in theaters. Me and too. Nice. And and it was like a really fun crowd. So I think that yeah. also kind of helped because, I mean, everybody was just digging it so hard. Yeah, we, we had a good one too. Um, nice. I think that does. It's one that really, you're right. It really works with the crowd. But yes, yeah, so I'll give it a four and a five. I think I love the dark elves. I think that's like really cool because we'll, we'll talk on the folklore a bit. But there's been like one interpretation of elves as a thing really reinforces this like polarity that I think these movies capture really well um, on the top of a Christmas. Although there's there's more ways to slice an elf hmm. than just Christmas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Elves at home. Uh, I don't mean that personally. Just FYI. Um, yeah, he does. As as like a really quick tangent, has anyone seen the Netflix series Elves yet? Not I yet. The first episode so far. How is it so far? Well, or the first episode is very promising. Mm, okay. Yeah, I haven't gone far enough in to know ultimately what I'll think, but I definitely want to keep watching. Yeah, I was just curious because I know it's kind of not that big of a departure from what we're talking about so yeah. um yep so for as far as an entity goes elves are one of those weird ones where uh they are often considered supernatural or all sorts of things but wouldn't necessarily be considered a monster per se uh considering that they're often portrayed as um uh you know sentient humanoid entities of a kind um but for us you know we use a bit of a wider definition because all all the way you might conceptually slice that sort of thing so often is so um you know you'll get a different answer depending on who you ask and they're an entity we got to talk about them um so the word elf comes from common germanic which is the uh, ancestor language to english to german to scandinavian and our earliest real evidence for beliefs about elves comes from about the second half of uh, the first millennium uh, common era in texts. Uh, they were written by churchmen in, in Germanic languages. And so that's really like the, the first like canonical written down stuff, record history. Um, 
But unfortunately, with that, that sort of church background, for a long time, elves had been linked with um, demons in Judeo-Christian sort of traditions because church people loved to, back in the day, reduce everything to the, their framework, and even if it didn't belong. Back in the day. Things. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and back in the just... day means also yesterday. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, and not even just uh, demons, but specifically pagan demons anything that's yeah. not christian or catholic yep they love to exterminate literally all other faiths and traditions or fold them in if they could for example like the old english poem beowulf classic epic poem uh it lists elves among the murderous the, the monstrous and sometimes murderous races that that sprang from cain's murder of abel right mm-hmm. um beowulf is funny to me because i i love epic poems they're super fun they're full of monsters they're interesting um but then beowulf's a weird one because it's like like epic tale epic tale yeah yeah warrior warrior side paragraph that's entirely different that's like but the good lord jesus blah 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 um <laughs> and it's like two paragraphs and you're like what the fuck is this from it's like a commercial break and then <laughs> it goes like back to the store yeah yeah and it's just like inserted in the text i'm like god who let the monks loose again yeah like god <laughs> damn it thomas Exactly. It's so silly. Like, it's the only German poem that has, like, commercial breaks for Christianity in it. Um, <laughs> it's still a fun story. Whatever. It's got dragons. It's got Grendel. It's, it's trippy, but yeah. it's just like, okay, well, I'll just fast forward through the commercials. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, but that's, uh, it, it lists elves as an early source. Um, the late 13th century South English legendary, uh, South English legendary is the title of it explains elves as angels that sided neither with lucifer nor god um so they were banished uh to earth rather than hell uh they were just like there was heavenly conflict and then they were just like ah but we are late tired (laughs) and then god was like to the earth you go and they're like okay and that's how sweden was formed exactly um and that's (laughs) and so like they've they've uh and then like chaucer talks about them um in yeah. the wife of bats tale and he equates male elves with incubi um and so you have all of these like there's this long tradition where christian scholars took these completely foreign cultural folkloric entities and then like fit them poorly into a christian framework yeah um and then 19th century scholars uh having a little distance from you know like independence from the church and such uh looked at those accounts are like hey this is fishy bullshit um do we have literally anything that is not pre-interpreted for us in a framework that it doesn't belong in and so they went back to like the prose edda this early 13th century mythology um by an icelander uh snorri uh strulson um and some other sources that they found from Scotland and elsewhere and tried to piece together a more independent, fresh look at the folklore. Weird thing, Snorri Strulson wrote of the difference. It was the first to write about the difference between like light elves mm-hmm. um, that live in the heavens and then dark elves that live under the earth. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were also like black elves. I think there's like yeah, three different yeah. types. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, and then, but the modern scholars kind of look at that as a, um, sorry folks, no, um, I'm getting over a cold. 
Um, but I still show up because I love you. Um. <laughs> that might be a good time to mention now that a, a lot of old folklore uh, stories about elves, um, people believe that elves caused illnesses. So yes. your cold could very well be the result of an elf messing with us or you. Absolutely. Mm. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. And they even uh, coined a term elf shot. Yeah. To, to signify like that they're like launching diseases and misfortunes. Yeah. They're like shooting arrows into you, but they're invisible. So anytime you get a weird sharp pain anywhere, it's like, Oh, this fucking elf shot me. I'm <laughs> yeah, sorry. I can't it. go to work today. Jesus, I'm a like I'm a dancer, a performer. I've been shot by elves constantly for the last <laughs> twenty years. You're a very big target to them. It's very rude. Um, <laughs> but then, uh, so in Britain and Scandinavia, so it's interesting too because that that distinction between light and dark elves. Um, I'm glad you mentioned the black elves. Uh, does kind of have some Christian coloring to them mm-hmm. a little bit in modern as modern scholars see it. Um, but then in Britain and Scandinavia, uh, there's alternative traditions that are more as, as we understand them, like faithful to the source material where, um, uh, elves are effectively just a distinct type of humanoid, like a distinct ethnic group, almost living alongside interacting with human communities. Mm. So they're kind of similar to how fairies are treated in the, the British Isles, um, traditionally uh and it's kind of a throwback to pre-christian traditions right where they're not these like demonic entities fitting into this framework they're another type of creation that we interact with and that one comes across as a it's a little well because it both predates christianity and their depiction of elves it also has a um a classist um existence to it where Mm. they're presented as like an agricultural community right but parallel to like the humans uh Mm. some of those stories were told sometimes as like in uh, a political act to uh specifically subvert like the dominance of the catholic and christian churches Mm -hmm. mm-hmm Yeah. And you'll see that in like a lot of like um, efforts to have like a reconstructionist approach to some of these like pagan and pre-Christian like folkloric traditions. Um, You'll, you'll see that a lot in like, like neo-Norse stuff, neo, neo-Grecian, Roman. um, uh, Because a lot of these things were tried, they, they they attempted to either exterminate or fold in um, and exterminate that way other cultures conquered, you know, conquered cultures as they saw it beliefs, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, absolutely. The, a lot of this was, um, I'm glad you brought that up because it's, it's, a, all these, all these beliefs are like sites of contestation, you know? Um, mm-hmm. which is literally fascinating to me. Um, and probably its own episode. Um, <laughs> cause fuck cultural extermination. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you replace like more interesting stuff with less interesting stuff. <laughs> that's just me yeah um, like you try to stretch things to f- fit your ideology yeah exactly where they're just like oh everything's demons uh everything that, that that that's demons too that's demons also 
That's come on, man. <laughs> like, good goodness gracious. Um, that is neither here nor there. Um, but uh, elf behavior is kind of interesting too in in the classic, the earlier um, canonical stuff because, like, in early modern like Scottish and and also like Scandinavian folklore, when elves appear, they're often like threatening people, causing illness being seductive but not in a way where it's like the whole species is bad they are threatening they're just like an evil threatening species it's more like you pissed this individual elf off yeah mm. i think that's very cool um and then um so uh in European tradition, supernatural beings from the 16th century onwards kind of tended to diminish in, in both their size and significance. And um, and then, so a lot of things got, started to get reinterpreted. Um, and by the 19th century in England, the word elf had largely been superseded by the word fairy. Um, in, in a lot of when they're dealing with these weird, like pre-Christian cultural constructs, which fairy came to, to England from France. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, you'd start to see and and when people were writing down uh, folklore and fairy tales in the the early European traditions like the Brothers Grimm, Goose, and all that sort of stuff, um, you'd start to see um, uh, them kind of change the story in subtle ways. Um, like there's this German folk tale whose name I'm gonna fuck up, but um. Like the uh, uh or Weichtel means little creature, and Moner means men. It was first published by the Grimm brothers in 1812 in that way, but then was translated later by Margaret Hunt in 1884. It was translated as the elves and the shoemaker, and so like translation would affect how these things translate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as they were as they were compiling these folk tales in different parts of Europe and then translating them for elsewhere. Um, and then we come to, so there's this long tradition of, of different interpretations of them. And this is why it's so interesting to me. Um, and then American Christmas traditions started to crystallize in the 19th century. And there was this anonymous like 1823 poem called A Visit from St. Nicholas, um, also widely known as Twice the Night Before Christmas. And it characterized St. Nicholas himself as a right jolly old elf. Um <laughs> But it was the his little helpers um, that were later attributed to him that the name sort of stuck for, and we started thinking of them as elves. Mm. Um, and so it kind of prompted the unfounded scholarly assumption that Anglo-Saxon elves were small, demonic, little sprite peoples. So that and maybe then, like St. Nicholas trained them to not be so um, like sinister or vindictive maybe and like tell them to just put their sexual threats on the shelf yeah exactly like you have you have sexual elf threats on the shelf yeah boy exactly every time time (laughs) you have 364 days out of the year you just really whipped them into shape there to be weird just we need one day out of you tiny little weirdos can we just not have any (laughs) hr issues for one day 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, God damn it. Um, it's like a chalkboard then, in Santa's workshop that says like days since last sexual incident. <laughs> <laughs> it's always just like, it's just a nonstop motion of him like erase zero. Yeah. Well, erase. and then there's like one specific elf that they always turn to. Like, yeah. Like Thomas. Thomas. What? We're not making those types of toys, Thomas. <laughs> but I already made 2,512 of them. <laughs> um, oh, good lord. Love it. But then the, the, the final thing is the, the term elf and kind of its um, cognates and such were, were um, uh, kind of really expanded in the popular consciousness by the early 20th century fantasy writer writers that especially not, like not starting with Tolkien. I think it kind of um, one of the first major figures was uh, Ford uh, Dunsany in his 1924, the King of Elfin's daughter. But the big one of course was J.R.R. Tolkien mm-hmm. in Lord of the Rings. So after that point, elves became like a stock character for a lot of fantasy, like high fantasy traditions and most of those accounts harken back to, or at least attempt to, the pre-Christian. Um, this is a group of of humanoid entities living beside us, a race. Oh. Yes, he exactly. also kind of changed the game by uh, making elves specifically an immortal being. Like, yeah, no one else had done that. Yeah, because we didn't have nearly enough folklore to actually have that be something that's established in their um in in how the 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 you know the scandinavian peoples for example picture them mm-hmm. um and then also the association with magic too like they they were capable of doing things like bringing disease and whatever but but elves are also in fantasy works oftentimes a more not just a moral but more powerful you know magical multifaceted just better than us in every way Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's something that he kind of invented too so there's the uh the sort of the the complicated backstory of our continual rediscovery of elves and how they weirdly became associated with santa yeah that's fantastic um one um, so go ahead oh sorry uh one main approach of elves that i found pretty interesting uh, although it doesn't really tie into like the movies that we talked about earlier or what we have later, but it has um, elves as like a pure being separate from demons, uh, but specifically mm-hmm. in one like Icelandic folktale, it, um, it explains their Genesis as specifically the lost children of Eve, where uh, they're completely born of innocence but they're just lost and wandering, which I think Tolkien probably picks up, especially when in Lord of the Rings they're doing the um, the the big migration, you know, to mm-hmm. uh, go to their next home, or like it's time for us to ascend or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fascinating to me. Um, yeah, part of the reason why I really wanted to, um, I was excited to do Elves for this one, is because you have this um so i guess we're just gonna organically pivot into the deep dive section um there's so because there's such a wide variability kind of like you're you're talking about uh, andre where um 
elves were pictured in so many different ways and it became so many different things culturally. You have like, you know, elves is like side species to humanity that's sometimes portrayed as, as, as um, morally codified, sometimes not. And then this entire side tradition of elves as Santa's little helper and which are part of the reason I was so excited to do this was because like, we think of that and we also think of Lord of the Rings elves, right? And they are fundamentally different in every conceivable way. And the same person will say like, these are what I think of when I think of elves and never really comment on the fact that that's two completely different weird things. Mm-hmm. And so I was like fascinated to dig into like why they're so different. Yeah. I love it. I think that the history is absolutely fascinating. Um, thank you for sharing all of that information. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was going to drive me nuts if it didn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, but let's kind of, in the, now that we're in the, the deep dive section, um, I thought it would be kind of cool to, because there's so many different ways to picture elves. And this won't be full reviews of other things, of course. And it'll be kind of like a little efficient nods to the diversity of, of coolness and how they're pictured. But do any of you find folks have other portrayals of elves that you think is super cool? You think super interesting? Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go into what you mentioned briefly there, Jeff, about elves being um, interpreted as incubi by Schauser. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't just him that, put them in that light. It was actually a lot of um, Scandinavian and Scotland beliefs where mm-hmm. Schauser probably thought of them as uh, physically visible, um, mm-hmm. but just as malicious and threatening uh, as the invisible, like Scottish Scandinavian ones. They not only caused illnesses, but they were known for, um, furthering sexual threats but also um specifically raping women in one instance or school of thought about elves they only rape sleeping women so there's in there's a layer of them preying on a specific type of vulnerability not in gender roles but the, the vulnerability of like the sleeping unprotected human being. Cool. Cool. And cool, cool, cool. The movie elves directed by Jeffrey Mandel from 1989 focuses almost specifically on these types of elves where they're physically visible. Uh, they are very much, um, for lack of a better term, rapey. It's specifically tied to the German um, depiction of elves. And based on like what you can see of really just the one elf, because they only had one puppet, um, <laughs> it's definitely a dark elf that I think in the movie it's like slumbering underground and is awakened and the whole plot is tied to like that this crazy like nazi occult mythology 
where uh, these dark elves were discovered by a, like a wing of the Nazis or the SS. and The ones that did the occult stuff? Yeah. Um, so they're effectively being farmed, almost. <laughs> but they raise them out of the ground to specifically uh, copulate with German virgins in order to create a, a superior, and this is a term in the movie, pint-sized master race. So <laughs> it's a legitimate depiction of an actual uh, version of elves that's historically been told, but with Nazis and like they just add some liberties <laughs> i i have my issues with nazi stuff in movies but this one it has enough of a, a different focus and especially with the performances the uh, the really weird tone and the focus of the protagonist which is um dan Haggerty playing like a down on his luck mall santa he does. He has nowhere to go, but he used to be a detective, and you just put all those things together, and you have such a crazy fucking ride. Uh, yeah, mixed in with like these <laughs> these rapey small elves, but you only see one, um, and he's just trying to fight this ancient magical Nazi plot. What the fuck? <laughs> it's it's truly a sight to be seen. Uh, it sounds like something where, like, it sounds like, I mean, I know this is a quote-unquote real movie, but it sounds like someone is high as balls and <laughs> trying to narrate to you a different film. Yeah. It's I just mean, coming out not, this way. That's not far off. Um, <laughs> the whole movie just has a really... I mean, for lack of a better term, icky kind of quality. Like there's, like there's a, uh, er, like there's an early scene with um, Chris, Kristen, who's like the protagonist, mm-hmm. and her brother. And Andre, do you know what scene I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> and like the quote is okay. So let me set up the scene here. He's like, this is her brother. Keep keep in mind. And he's like spying on her. And so she's obviously like pretty grossed out and is like, what the fuck are you doing, you pervert? And he says, quote, I'm not a pervert. I just like seeing naked girls. And Christian's and her sister's like, I'm your fucking sister. And this is, and I quote, yeah, you've got big fucking tits and I'm going to tell everyone I saw them. <laughs> and is like the definition of a pervert. It's it's messed up on so many levels, but um, it kind of weirdly ties into this whole like incest like theme or like plot point. Um, yeah. Well, here's another weird. Th- By the way, um, uh, here's another thing uh, that's weird about that brother character. Uh, later in life, he actually becomes a member of the House of Representatives. <laughs> i won't say which party you already know Um, but i mean the movie really is a fever dream and it's it's on youtube and 
like Dan Haggerty is basically just fueled by cigarettes and whiskey yeah. and <laughs> looks like a leathery knapsack come to life, but also dresses, dresses up kind of like your grandma. Yeah, he does. <laughs> right? He, he should have been the Marlboro... Marble, uh, I can't say it. He should have been the Marlboro man instead of the cowboy. Because oh, okay. he yeah, definitely okay. works like, more. For so that. looking like, at the, the photos, you know... Um, so, like, if, if, if Kurt Russell and all of these classic Carpenter films, right... <laughs> is like highbrow Gucci, right? <laughs> he is like the dollar store version of that. He's the Gucci. And how he's, he's yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's like the uh the the, the corner store knockoff. Like, um, he's got like, the flowy hair, but it's still like it's just not it's he's not a smart muscle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um but I mean, it really is a sight to behold. Like, it's not by no means a traditionally good movie, but it is a very entertaining movie. hundred uh, percent. It's it's not good, <laughs> but you will be fascinated no matter how many times you've seen this. Uh, yeah, the, YouTube is um, the only I, place to find it um, unless you are lucky and you have the videotape. But that's about all it's available on right now Mm. yeah like every time i watch it i constantly go did i just wake up from a being like secretly dosed i mean (laughs) one of those kind of movies like just like random shit will happen that they don't feel the need to explain which that's that's perfect um and it's just amazing like um like the main character just keeps calling um mike mcgavin is his character name played mm-hmm. by dan haggerty she just keeps and she literally insists on calling him santa throughout the entire movie i mean hey what whatever works right uh, well hey <laughs> listen i i'm not here to kink shame i'm not here to kink shame if that's <laughs> your bag i am here to kink shame but only <laughs> if you're not kinky enough <laughs> it's like the reverse anti it's like the reverse king chain <laughs> which is some people's kink you're like vanilla <laughs> vanilla shaming exactly yeah I'm like oh is that all is that <laughs> that's that's all that you like oh. <laughs> um, well, one thing that i i do want to point out that serves in the um the germanic uh pointing of elves no pun intended. Uh, the term elf in like German roughly translates to um, a white being, which I thought at first meant like uh, white representing like purity or beauty or something like that. But it's, it, it go, it ties into the, um, the very racist ideology of the Nazi party specifically, where they literally thought that beings with white skin uh, contained the light of God within them. And the, the whiteness is definitely a euphemism specifically used by that political party. And then later Mm -hmm. military political party. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
it's interesting because the elves or the elf in elves is not white. It's very dirty brown because like, mm-hmm. I mean, he came out of the ground. So maybe there's some dirt. I think it's really interesting, though, that you um, mentioned. I'm glad that you brought up the connecting context to the the weird sort of incubus background, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's kind of weird Germanic connections. Um, I definitely think, yeah, it's not. We're sticking with the show's policy uh, firmly of distinguishing between fun and good. And I think that's very important. And not mm-hmm. a lot of people do that. And uh, it, it, is a, it is a fun film. It's weird. Um, but hey, if you want to see an unconventional elf film, and you should, it's Christmas. Show it to your family. Yes. Show it to your unsuspecting <laughs> in-laws. Uh, yes. Show it to the in-laws you don't like. <laughs> um, it's just a great one for um, if you want to lead up, folks at home, lead up to it like it's a normal standard Christmas film <laughs> and then sit back with your smuggled alcohol oh my God. and just watch the show. I mean, you, <laughs> could, you could throw in like blood beat as a double feature. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Why not? I mean, I, I would probably do blood beat before this just so that they would have uh, a baseline of weird. But then yeah. when you start Elves, you have to look at your family members right when the Santa Claus says to the girl on his lap, Santa said oral. oral. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It's like, oh, no. Uh, I mean, so... the whole, yeah, I mean, the whole movie yeah. just has this perpetual, icky, like, uncomfortable... It's like so grimy. Weirdness, aura, yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's one of your movie choices to follow up a nice double feature with Elf. Um, very different brands of elves. Jesus um, Christ! Thank you for that. I'm gonna pivot. But uh, Luna, are there any Titan, uh, tried and true uh, Elf movies or, or or media that you uh, that you love? Yeah. Um... So when it comes to the the Christmas elf situation, uh, much like Andre, I don't partake much in in the Christmas film <laughs> industry. Um, maybe the well. nihilism has just gotten me. I think, uh, but uh, I think we did. I did mention, um, and maybe we'll talk about this another time. But in my opinion. I feel like Rare Exports has some of the best elves uh, that you mm-hmm. may see in cinematic form. Um, but I think that is like a whole other can of worms and maybe saved for another episode because it's a totally different creature. It's not Krampus mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. So I will land on and lean upon my nerdy ass uh, self and talk about fantasy elves, high fantasy Whoa. elves. Um, so Lord of the Rings, uh, Fellowship of the Ring is 20 years old today as of recording. Um, and so, uh, how about that? (laughs) Which I planned, obviously, I, I obviously had that in mind exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) And, uh, so 
I I read the books. I love that series. I love the 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 movies, the, the depiction of elves in the movies. I like to think of elves as finesse humans. They're like <laughs> good. They're able to navigate. They're able to do everything just slightly better than us in in the ways of finesse. Like if we had higher dexterity, and yes, I'm talking D and D. Like higher dexterity, higher charisma, longer um, uh, lifespan. Like you, well, not necessarily charisma. I mean, it could be charisma or intelligence, but still, like you have these humanoids, this this race of humanoid creatures that are able to literally uh, connect with our world. In a, at a different level, at a higher mm-hmm. level than humans. And that has always been very appealing to me. Um, lately, I've been trying to unpack some of the, I think, harmful uh, depiction of elves, mm-hmm. especially in fantasy. Um, they're always depicted as these fair, thin, uh tall white characters some often blonde mm-hmm. um and they are depicted as better humans right and mm-hmm. that kind of goes in line with the what andre was discussing with the german um i don't know if you want to say interpretation mm-hmm. of elves but it's very so eurocentric it is very eurocentric and so as a black girl growing up, I, I absolutely loved elves. I mean, I had, I wanted to learn Elvish. I never quite did because I was learning a few other languages that were far more applicable to life at the time. <laughs> uh, you know, you're cling on. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like, I, it's still on my bucket list to learn Elvish. Um, at this point, I will not have an elvish wedding because I feel like, uh, you know, the fans have taken a turn into perhaps unhealthy. Um, and it's so, also, you know, cultural appropriation. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm just like, I, I, you know, I've stepped away from a lot of that, but I truly idolized elves. And... Um, and I realized after a while that that was somewhat problematic because I had a lot of, uh, a lot of trouble with my self-image, um, and so I wished for. I mean, I'm a dancer. I wished to be. I was. I was in ballet. I love ballet, the art, not the not the world, and. I just thought that if I could be an elf or I could be more like an elf, I would be the perfect human. And that's like, that was the whole point of not, I mean, I'm not saying that it's a one-to-one, but that's like, that's why they're depicted this way. That's, that's what they were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm still unpacking a little bit about that. I, I've tried to temper a lot of my adoration for this, this, fictional creature or mm-hmm. um you know race or whatever i've tried to 
kind of ground myself in understanding that that beauty is not like whiteness is not beauty um mm. fairness you know agility all of these things that's not beauty that's just these are just elements of people and mm -hmm. you can also be dark-skinned and beautiful um and that that's a whole other conversation and i talk about it a lot in the goth community um mm -hmm. but it is it's something that I've had to unpack when I, when I, whenever I think about elves, I have conditioned myself to immediately remind myself that, um, that the typical de depiction of elves it does not have to be the only depiction of elves. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, like, um, there seems to need to be a uh, a wave of demythologizing how. Uh, white elves versus dark elves and black elves are seen especially mm -hmm. when a lot of the earlier fantasy stuff even just talking about the DD &D novels um where dark elves are seen as immediately more evil than their lighter and whiter counterparts just because yeah. of the color of their skin and hair yep yeah yeah, so I, it's it's interesting. I just wanted to add that that in here, just because it's such a it's such a prominent thought for me when I think about elves. Um, I think of Lothlorien, and I'm just like, that is the most beautiful place I've ever seen on Earth, and I am positive that I'm not allowed there. <laughs> like that's not because I'm human, you know. Like it, it's just that's like one of those thoughts I've had literally ever since I saw it on screen twenty years ago. Um, so I, mm. I, I, I've always had to have this conversation with myself. Um, but that being said, I love elves. I love even playing the elves in D and D, and I play them authentically. Mm -hmm. My elves are always quite sassy. Um, yes, they should be. And uh, and. I think, well, actually right now I'm playing uh, an Azamar, which is an, an angel, um, a fallen angel. Please tell me one of the ones with the eyes and the fire and the shit. Uh, I only have two eyes, uh, so. That we know there's, of. There's, there's, you know, so it's okay, you know, you know, as, as you get older, <laughs> you'll get more. Right, um, right, yeah. yeah but, I mean, um, I'm so glad that you shared your experiences, though, by the way, like, uh, um, I think it's like an unfortunate, well, first of all. You belong wherever the fuck you want. Yeah, I'm totally moving into Lothlorien. Like, they can Absolutely. suck my dick. They need a new fucking queen, as far as I'm concerned. Um, we've seen how effective ghost armies are in the Tolkien world. Damn um, straight. I mean, and, like, but... Galadriel's way too unpredictable to be trusted. Oh. Right? Like, that bitch needs like, to take need a, new a day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I, th I think, like, part of the interesting thing, too, is, like, I, I you know, I mean, Tolkien, of course, I don't know his background as, as well as maybe even some of the folks at home, like, right? But my understanding, too, is that, like, this kind of, like, when he was writing the 50s, I'm sure there were undoubtedly assumptions there because it was the fucking 50s, right? Yeah. Um, But that he was trying to escape, like, what his friend, you know, C.S. Lewis was doing with making these, like, you know, fantasy epics that are heavily Christianized proselytizing. 
yeah. and to go to other traditions that had, as far as they were translated to us at that time before more advanced scholarship happened, had these sorts of distinctions. But in their depiction of light and dark elves, they were more borrowing, not from, you know, conceptions of race, but from just kind of polarized Judeo-Christian frameworks. And it has an unfortunate side effect of reproducing those things and is also blatantly inaccurate anyway. So it's an unfortunate leftover to an earlier time. And so I think it's, it's really, really good that we're, I know the D and D community is like really trying to, to uncouple the notion of, of these different races with being inherently evil or this or that or the other thing or inherently better, you know? Um, and I, I think it's, uh, just really fucking important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, Tolkien's works are racist. Um, yeah. But yes. his, whether or not that was his intention, I mean, he did denounce, uh, you know, Nazis and all that stuff. So I, you know, I don't know that he was like, I'm here to act like, like you said, yeah. C.S. Lewis. But, um, but it, it we. I don't know. I just wanted to make like, yes. And his works are still racist. <laughs> oh yeah. no, you're told you're totally correct. And I, I still consume them because, uh, I actually really love the world that he built. Yeah. You can still separate, um, different facets of that. But I, I think, um, while he might've been, uh, outspoken against, you know, like Nazis, racism, on a certain platform that he was on in the forties and fifties, he was still borrowing from a heavily uh, racist coded Germanic text of Mm -hmm. specific legends. He even denied that he was adapting things that like uh, the German composer Wagner used for his ring cycle, which is another uh, like Lord of the Rings esque, uh, story cycle. Um, there's mm-hmm. a lot of parallels there, but it's inherently more uh, harmfully racist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the thing. I, I guess my point was more just like, I don't believe that he was trying to ra- necessarily racially code his word. Oh, no. I'm but I 100% that was... believe that he had biases. Yeah. Yes. And was drawing from sources that were themselves biased in certain ways. It was just yeah. probably so deeply ingrained in what he was taking from or pulling from that, um, like back then, no one was really fully cognizant of this kind of stuff, even the people writing them. Like they're just perpetuating yep. something so harmful they don't even notice because they're not part Absolutely. of that group that it antagonizes. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And and so like that's why it's important to like deconstruct some of these ideas. Um I don't know why we accidentally just came back to Nazis twice on two different things, but um Because we're them. living in a world with a lot of Nazis. And they're back again. Oh, no. And they're back. But that being said, Jeff <laughs> <laughs> What what's your favorite? Who's your favorite Nazi elf? <laughs> I was gonna go with and then and then we gotta wrap, but I I was gonna go with actually with Lord of the Rings as well because um 
I mean, you shared your experiences. Definitely more insightful than anything I had to say. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, that's not true. I'm sure you, I mean, your experiences are valid. Thank you. But I, I love, even though I know that there's some ways in which how he portrays corruption and what it does to a being and it makes them darker and stuff. There's certain things that I would fix. Uh, but I would say that like overall he added a lot of world building and, and for the very fact that he created high fantasy as a place where you can escape the, especially in his time, the sort of like assumptions of a Christianized worldview to a mm-hmm. large extent I think is a pretty powerful like innovation and he was clearly not the only one to do that. Not at all, but he, he made kind of high fantasy a place where it's safe to do that. And I think that's really cool. And Mm -hmm. I like the, the cultural depth that the elves are portrayed with, especially when acknowledging that cultural depth is something that obviously when we went, you know, into the folkloric dig, um, We've only really even had the ability to do that for a short amount of time. So I think it's actually really cool that he tried to fill in so much that we never really had access to until, I mean, still don't have a ton, but, but until recently. Um, but um, I feel like at that, unfortunately I have to wrap, but I, I do want to um, uh, say thank you all so much for your, your, really excellent deep reads of these things and some of these themes that we touched on i kind of would like to find a way to revisit in the future i'm sure that we will um and uh your badasses folks at home by the way um string up together uh for yourself a nice little watch list of elf fiction and think of how um fucking weird it is that they have been portrayed so many different competing ways at the same time and nobody even bothers to question it yeah it's weird it's it's kind of wacky like you're watching legolas and then you put an elf and you're like this is the same it's very much not that's weird Um, it's for very historical reasons that that's weird Uh, (laughs) but uh uh thank you for for spending some time with us and happy holidays uh for all you fine folks at home um co-hosts uh tell us tell the folks at home where they can find you how about luna you start uh you can find me at luna underscore minui that's m-i-n-u-i-t on twitter instagram and uh tiktok yeah hells yes um i don't get the ticks in the talks but but follow the lady uh-huh. i like the ticky duckies hells yes someone needs to um thank you uh andre how about you uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Demoni Disco. That's Demoni, like the Italian demon, and then Disco, like the disco. Like the dance. Uh, and Letterboxd, you can find me as Hamburger Harry, and I run a film blog called Celluloid Consomme on medium.com. Perfect. And I would encourage you to check it out. Thank you so much. Um, Mr. Mike Vaughn, where can the folks at home find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Strange Cinema 65. Um, you can find my book, The Ultimate Guide to Strange Cinema, on Amazon. And I'm also on Letterboxd. Uh, my username is Kubrick655321. 
Love it. Uh, yeah, thank you so much, as always, for being here. And uh, folks at home, you can find me uh, on Twitter, uh, at Real Jeff Ewing. That's R-E-E-L. And uh, you can you can find all my writings there. And you can also find me here, which you know, because you already did. Um, thank you, and and have and happy holidays to everyone, and thank you for, yeah. for spending some time yeah. with us. Yeah. You can find us all in your heart. Aww. Whenever there's low Christmas spirit, we're sorry about that. We're working as fast as we can. <laughs> we're having a supply chain issue. Is it? Okay. <laughs> and, and that's us signing out. Once more, I'd like to extend a special thanks to our guests this episode and to all of you out there listening. From the dawn of recorded human civilization, we've been fascinated by monsters and the monstrous. They've inhabited our dreams and nightmares. They've been our protectors and our villains. They've symbolized our fears and vices, our hopes and potential. Fears of creatures and the night that nourishes them were key inspirations and fuel for the rise of human civilization, the need to get out of the shadows, behind the walls, and into the light. In many ways, understanding our monsters is an important part of understanding our world and ourselves. So thank you for taking this journey with us, we humanoids from the deep dive.